is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 1 to 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. I go around on the streets, so you be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love, they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on your um, oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that's much better. I was at the Bruins game last night, so you've got to like bring the energy with me, okay, this morning as we, as we get started. Um, it's, the, the text um, is pretty, pretty straightforward, yeah? So how much do you need me to explain that to you this morning? Not much, right? So to sum it up, don't what? Don't perform your... Religious deeds for what purpose? To be seen by other people, right? 
and instead do them how? Do them privately, do them in a way that your audience is one, is God. Let's pray. We're done. It's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward, right? The other thing that I was thinking about today is the irony of the role of the pastor preaching on this topic. Because if anything has happened in the way the church has um, evolved over the centuries, it's that the preacher, the person presenting, has become kind of the focal point of the gathering. And we, we want them to perform well. And we, we sort of... I'll, I'll, listen, I'm one of these people, and I'm not one of these people at the same time. So sometimes I sit and I listen, and sometimes I get to do this. But the irony is that we judge the performance of the preacher, don't we? I mean, you probably don't, but I do. And I, I'm sitting and I'm listening and I'm thinking about like, and even afterwards, it's like, well, that was, yeah, that was okay. It was kind of boring. Or, oh my gosh, that was really, really good. And we've been doing this for like years and years and years. So a couple of things like right off the bat, as we enter into this space together, number one is this. This passage in particular is speaking to people who are people who consider themselves who, those who are following Jesus, okay? So if you've come in this morning and you're not sure about that, either maybe this is your kind of last time coming into church or your first time coming into church and you're uncertain about faith, uh, there are things for you to, I think, take away and also to speak to the church today. If you're here and you're a person of faith, in some ways the message is pretty straightforward and simple. In its, in its message, in its application, maybe it becomes more difficult because in some ways some of the things that we've even organized our church to be become performative, like the message or, or preaching. And so we're going to try to walk through today, and, and I want to... Um, this is a, I love coming here. I love this community for any number of reasons. But a part of which is that it feels very real and authentic in its community, in your connection with one another. That if, if what Scripture says to us is that, that we are known by our love for one another, then there is nothing more important, there is nothing more important that this community will ever do than how you love each other and how you love the community at large. How great... Katie is, is awesome, but Katie won't be the reason Jesus is known in this community. How great any of your leadership is, elders, none of that, how great the performance is on Sunday morning, maybe we'll grab a crowd or more people will attend, but that in and of itself will not communicate who Jesus is to the world around us. And now, as much as ever, and this is true for everybody in their own time, it's true now, it was true 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was true at the time of the disciples, every generation does feel like things are probably as bad as they've ever been. Every generation. But the thing is, we didn't live in another generation, we live now. 
a weird call to the here and the now. You are here for such a time as this in the context in which you are. Which means that the most important thing that you can do is not perform a faith, but to love one another. That is how the world will know that we are his disciples. Not by our performance, but our love for one another. By the way, my name is Tim. I don't think I introduced myself. Did I? I didn't, did I? No, okay. My name is Tim. And uh, some of our folks have been connected up here and, and speaking uh, through Sojourn Collegiate Ministry. Um, that's who I work for. I'm the executive director. Consider the other part just sort of a preamble to the message this morning. Um, I'm the executive director there. Um, we just came off our camp sojourn. I don't know if uh, I know Lindsay's been here to speak and uh, Nate Rubright's been here to speak. But this is a picture of our, I think it's coming out. This is a picture of our crew. Uh, from our uh, Camp Sojourn. We had the largest number of students we've ever taken to Camp Sojourn. It was like 60 students uh, that were there that, that weekend. And um, for those of you who are here sort of wrestling with faith, it's, it's the thing that, that we do. Probably at least 50 to 60% of those students are not followers of Jesus, and they're there just hearing about these things for the first time. But mostly, like, it reflects what is reflective of the value of this community, which is that we are known by our love for one another. And that's what we hope Camp Sojourn always is, is a place where uh, for the first time, maybe, and certainly for students who are experiencing like this college life for the first time, if you're like, when you're in your adolescence and those early years, boy, is there anything that grabs you more than needing to perform for other people? Isn't that just like so much of every single day? You wake up and it's like, from what you wear to what you look like to your classes to everything it's how do i compare how do i stack up against how am i what is my position in all of this with people and consequently performance just becomes a way of life and we translate that in every single aspect of what we do at sojourn we talk about helping students understand god's dream for the world and god's dream for the world is not one of performance it's one of how we understand how much God loves us, how much we love one another, and that love flowing through us into the world around us. So that's what I do. That's my name. And uh, so let's jump in uh, a little bit more to the text uh, today. Chapter 6, verse 1 has already been read for us. It starts like this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Um, How many of you uh, have with you a like a hard copy book of the Bible that you carry with you? Just kind of raise your hand for me, okay? Very few of you. How many of you use an app on your phone if you read the Bible, okay? All right, so a lot of us do. If you were to look at, uh, does anybody have a King James Version or could look on your app at chapter 6, verse 1 of Matthew, and, and like participate with me for just a minute in verse 1. In the NIV, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. King James uses a different word. Does anybody know what word is used there in the King James? Or anybody already looked it up and sees it? 
alms. Not to practice your alms. That's not a word we use often today, is it? Your alms. What does that mean? What are alms? Does anybody know? I think I had an idea of what it meant. I had to look it up just to make sure. I've heard the word. Money, but in particular, it's the things or the way we um, give for the sake of the poor. Okay, It's the way we um, give time, talent, treasure to helping the poor. That's alms. But the NIV translates it as righteousness. Anybody have anything else like in a, like that's the NIV. Does anybody have like a living version or something else? Another word there? Anybody? So the word that's used there for righteousness is the same word that is translated as justice. As justice. It's, it's the, the notion that do not practice doing the right things. Do not do practicing the right things for the wrong reasons. That's a tough thing to think about, isn't it? Like, because if, if I could just do the things, then I'm okay. But like, now you're asking me to reflect on my motives, the reasons, the purpose for which I'm doing the things that I do. And there is a lot that goes into that, right? As human beings, we have this ongoing battle. And it's talked about in all kinds of places in Scripture, and we see it played out in the stories of almost every character in the Bible, that we have this inner life that is going on, and it's constantly in tension with the world around us. Our thoughts, how our thoughts have been shaped, our motives, the way we've been hurt, our emotions, our biases, our hidden agendas— And some of those have been shaped by the environment around us. Think about just some of the things. I just want you to put yourself, just put yourself for a moment in these situations. Some may be very specific. It might even apply to you. Others may apply to people you know. Some of us have been so hurt and so and deeply hurt by others that our ability to trust anyone around us is almost zero. We just can't trust people. Some of us are motivated by the rejection that we have felt by our parents from the time we were young. And we have spent our entire life being motivated by getting people to like us and accept us and approve of us. Some of us have built a wall of defensiveness around us in order to keep us from being hurt by others. Some of us have buried our emotions so deeply and our hurt so deeply that sometimes those things begin to leak out in really unhealthy ways. We begin to cope in really unhealthy ways in the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat others. Some of us say things about other people in our heads that we would absolutely die if people knew if they slipped out, out loud in public. Some of us are so driven to win, to succeed, to be the best, to achieve, that even without recognizing it or knowing it, we use others for our good, our benefit, our pleasure, and our agenda. We just 
we just believe that the ends justify the means. And we're so shaped by these things. They're not, they're not even things that we, we take time to assess on a daily basis. We're, we're just simply reacting and responding to the moment. But, but all of these things have shaped who we are. And it's not that we sit down and we go, gosh, I wish my motives were better. It's just that we, we are all shaped by pretty broken circumstances. I mean, our parents aren't perfect people. Our teachers weren't perfect people. Our neighbors aren't perfect people. We, we are in environment and we create an environment of imperfect circumstances. And sometimes we are deeply hurt by that. And then how do you interact with the world in a very real, sincere, vulnerable way when all of that is a part of our inner life? How do you simply say to someone, make sure your motives are good when your inner life is really sucky, right? How do you do that? It's really hard to say like, well, just fix it. It's like, I mean, I've at various points in my life, really struggle with anxiety. And people always say, well, just relax. Just, you know, don't worry about it so much. Okay, thank you. That's great. I will, I will remember that next time I'm about to go into a panic attack. It's just not that simple. We've been like, these things are so ingrained in our very being that you can't just say, well, change your motives. So the... the the question becomes, then, what do we do with all of that? I mean, the message is simple, right? We've already talked about that. Do not do your acts before people as performative to be seen by them. Make sure your motives are good and do them for an audience of one. And then we start to try to do that. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm a riddled mess in here. Like, I, I, there's so many different competing things going on. I don't know how to do that just simply. And you know what that takes? Like, it takes, I almost did this this morning. But it really takes, like, it takes you being in groups of three, four, five people and being able to, like, work through inner life vulnerability. That is scary stuff, especially at the beginning. It, It takes being able to be in a community of people who see you, know you, and can speak truth and love to you and to do that in return. Knowing that their that their love for you is so deep that what they want for you is the best. That's, that's some transformative work that begins to happen. The reality is <clears throat> that most of us interact, and, and, and I want to take a little bit of a lighter turn here for just a moment, okay? Because on the other hand, when we're on the outside of faith looking in, it's very easy to see the entire institution of religion, and particularly this Christian enterprise, as being kind of a, just a big fake thing because of how performative it becomes. And I'm not an anti-social media person, but some of that performance gives li- lived out in places that no conversation happens. No real vulnerability happens. Only performance, performance, performance. But no real work is happening. And so people, I think, uh, look at the church and they see a real problem with the messaging because of the package, because of the performance. Similar to some of these examples. Again, we're going to hit a little lighter moment for for just a second. Because we've all experienced this. So if you went to um, purchase this, 
This is pretty amazing. This is a rope that the packaging on the outside shows a climber, and then the disclaimer says, not suitable for climbing. Make sure you read that before you actually get to the boulder, right? It's uh, not the time you want to see and know. The packaging doesn't look like what's intended to be. All right, so the next one. How about this? This is great. Pepperoni on the half where you can see through it, right? But on the other half, there's no pepperoni. But it's a pepperoni pizza. See the box? It's like pepperoni pizza. Looks like there's a lot, but then you got to spread it out to the other side. When you look through the package, it looks like one thing, but when you open it up, it looks like something quite entirely different. How about this one? This is why they're on clearance. It's a box of crayons. 64 colors, you open it up, and it's 64 oranges, orange crayons. So again, it's, it's the, if you're on the outside looking at, when, we, when you're on the inside of the church, we lose sight of really how hypocritical or even the packaging looks so different. Because on the inside, we know the intention. But on the outside, when people know that this is a community that should be reflective of Jesus... And when you read Jesus, you're like, that dude's all right. And then you look at the packaging that Jesus comes in, you're like, but I don't know about that. That doesn't look like what I see in Jesus. It becomes a very, very difficult thing to break into or to enter into because, quite frankly, I want Jesus, but I don't want the packaging that comes along with it. Does that kind of make sense? Or am I making sense? It's a better way to ask that question. And so that's a, that's a church issue. That's not a people on the outside issue. That's a church issue. And, and we, we spend a good amount of time performing religious deeds and acts, but not enough time really digging into the heart of the heart and the motivations for the work that we do or the things that we do. Jesus uses three examples in the text of religious performance. He talks about the way people gave, the way people prayed, and the way they fasted. Now, those aren't practices that we do as a community today, necessarily. You guys really do an amazing job with the community prayer part, which is amazing. A lot of churches do not do that today. But giving has become kind of this thing that's kind of over here. We we don't want really to talk about giving very much. We don't want to offend people very much about giving. But these things are like acts of worship. And particularly in the temple in the first century, this, these were communal things. One of my favorite stories is uh, found in Luke where Jesus has the disciples together and he's at the temple and people are coming to bring their alms, their gifts for the poor. And Jesus, the, the way the story is told by Luke is, that there's these rich folks who are coming, just like Jesus is talking about here, but only this is like a, like a real-life example. Rich people are coming in. They're dropping their money in the box. And then there's this woman in the crowd. She's older, and she walks up. And, and in my mind, I can just see Jesus sort of calling his disciples together and going, all right, see that woman right there? Like, no, she's all by herself. Nobody sees her. 
Watch her walk through the crowd. And you can just, in your mind's eye, you can see this woman who's just older, humble, poor, walking through the crowd. No one notices her. As she goes and she drops two mites, it's insignificant in terms of the amount of money. And then Jesus turns to his disciples, and they've watched the whole performance. They've seen the whole thing. It says, she just gave more than everyone else combined because she gave out of her poverty. Performance generally doesn't cost us anything or doesn't hurt. When we begin to examine the inner life, the way we give, the way we pray, the way we fast, are examples of this. But it will cost us something when our audience is one. When our audience is God alone, the question is not, am I performing well enough? The the question is, what does this relationship look like to this to this person, this creator? What, what is my relationship like here that demonstrates or at least gives some indication of how I'm moving towards God in faithfulness? And in that word that uh, Matthew uses, in doing what is right for the right sake, not out of performance, but to say what is right? What is, what is the way in which we move forward? And to do that, we just all we have to do is look at Jesus. Our entire life of following Jesus predominantly should be spent as followers of Jesus looking and modeling the work of Jesus. What did Jesus do? Let's do that. How did Jesus treat people? Let's do that. How did Jesus love people? Let's do that. How did Jesus pray? Let's do that. Simply doing and following Jesus. Over and over and over again. How did Jesus love people? So when Jesus uses these examples, my question is, these are not the things that necessarily Jesus would talk to us about today. My, my question for you just to ponder on, I'm not going to provide an answer. You, I'd love to like get in a community. We could like talk it out. It would be really great. Um, but what are the places where the church is creating some packaging in its religious performance that is hurtful to the actual content that is contained within it? Where are the places that performance is hurting the messaging of the church? How about just for you personally? Are there places where religious performance has replaced actual thinking about what is the right thing for me to do right now that looks exactly like Jesus in the way I follow my faith? That's righteousness. Righteousness is not checking all the boxes and getting them right. Righteousness is, gosh, I, God, I want, to, I want to be like Jesus. What does that look like in this situation right now? It's the reality is, when you start to sit with someone and you begin to understand their story, and all the things that have shaped their inner life and their heart, their defensiveness, their hurt, it's the same for you and I. When the gospel is simply this, right? When Jesus sees us, he doesn't see our performance. He sees that. He sees the inner heart hurt and brokenness. All the stuff that we hide. 
the very worst of us, Jesus sees. And in that, Jesus reaches in and says, I love you for everything that you are and have become even right now. And I want to replace, I want to change, I want to restore this brokenness in you so that you can be fully alive, fully thrive, fully who I created you to be, restored. That word we, we look at Scripture is to be saved, to be born again, to have a new heart. And if you're on the outside of this thing and you're at that sort of bottom place of brokenness, and you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get out of that. I'm telling you that it is miraculous work. It's, you, it's not work we do. It's miraculous inner supernatural work where Jesus reaches in and absolutely restores and heals. I've been there. Some of you in this room have been there. And when you remember your story, when you know the brokenness of where you were, not necessarily because you just chose to be a terrible person, but because the environment in which we live in just is broken and we become broken people. That in that, Jesus reaches in and says, I see you for who you are intended to be. And I want to restore that in you. That's, that's the gospel. It's why Jesus died and raised again to show the power of resurrection, the power of hope, the power of new life. Jesus didn't just die and things are just the way they've always been and death is the end and that's the way the world works. Jesus rose from the dead to demonstrate that there is hope in that brokenness, that you can be restored. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, to be able to ask the question of ourselves, where has performance replaced righteousness in my life? And how do I get back to really seeking what would Jesus do in this moment? Tim Keller, who's a well-known author and pastor who passed away last year, wrote about it this way. He says, you can't change merely by changing your thinking or through great acts of will, but rather by changing what you love most. Change happens not only by giving your mind new truths, though it does involve that, but also by feeding the imagination new beauties so you love Jesus supremely. I love that idea. We change when we change what we worship most. We keep feeding the imagination new beauties. That's a great part of what art does. It's a great part of what just allowing these things to come into our life. Just the experience of allowing ourselves to love and to be loved. These new beauties in the world. It's a vulnerable place to be. But we change when we change what we worship most so that we love Jesus supremely. I want to close here. So practically speaking, what do we do with that? First and foremost, I would say, if you're in a place of brokenness where you don't know how to move forward and you're scared of the packaging of the church, focus on Jesus. And Jesus wants to restore wholeness and fullness and life into your being. 
And that happens simply by allowing yourself, being surrendered to him, saying, Jesus, I, there's no other place I'm going to be fixed or restored than through you. And I, I was there. I did everything I could. I say this all the time. I turned over so many new leaves, I turned over a whole tree. You know, and you probably have been there too. It's just, but it just was me trying harder. But, but my brokenness always put me back in the same spot. It took Jesus to restore that. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, here are just a few thoughts about how we move forward. Again, it's not just, I, I, I didn't spend time talking specifically about prayer, fasting, <clears throat> and giving because those are examples of, of performance in the first century. I want you thinking and asking the question, where is that happening in my life today? So focus on Jesus and not the noise. The question we can ask ourselves on a daily basis, what I'm doing, what I'm doing right now, would I do this if Jesus were here as my audience of one? If Jesus were my audience of one right now, is this the way I would handle this situation? Is this what I would do? Work it out in the doing. Work it out in the doing. When you give, Jesus says. When you pray, Jesus says. When you fast, Jesus says. And you've heard this a million times in a sermon if you've been around the church, I'm sure. The assumption is what? That you will give, fast, and pray. It doesn't mean you stop doing it and going, all right, when I have my inner life fully together, then I will do that. Jesus, that's, that's, you're missing the point. You work it out in the doing. We work it out in the doing. When we pray, when we fast, when we give. How is it that we see all of those things through the audience of one? Finally this, do not let judging others' performance Get in the way of your own worship. And I think this becomes one that stands in our way too often in the church. It's easy to look at other people and judge their motives, not knowing their story. And to use that as a reason for our own withholding or staying away. You are not responsible for anybody else's journey of faith and how they perform, how they work it out. Do not use someone else's inner life and struggle that you know nothing about. Keep you from loving Jesus and doing what you do, these acts of righteousness, for an audience of one. That is your only audience. Not what other people think or what other people are doing. So, those are my thoughts this morning for our community together. I'm going to pray and then uh, we're going to take communion together, which I'll explain a little bit after. Father, today, we know there are so many things that that when we read them do feel pretty straightforward. When we go to practice them, we realize they're they're really hard. Um, We want to do we want to do what's right, and we realize that there's so much brokenness in our life that interferes and interrupts and shoots us off track. That it takes a community of people around us to, to help us do that, to, to speak truth and love and, and to move forward that no one can know what's going on in my heart and my life, my circumstances, my past, except to the extent that I share that story with them. Father, help us to be patient and loving and kind with people 
Help us to not judge others, to know that to the extent that we, that we judge others, that we ourselves are, are also being judged. To the extent that we love and we, we press down and we shake and it spills over, that, that that spills over into the world around us. Let us be a people where love is just spilling over all over the place and not judgment. Father, thank you for Jesus who who took all of that brokenness, received that brokenness from people, died in the midst of that brokenness, but raised to overcome that brokenness so that we could also be raised and have new life. Father, help us to be a church, a people, where the packaging and what happens on the inside align so that people around us see the love that you have. We pray today in Jesus' name.